So this past year, I've spent a lot of time reflecting. This past month, I've spent a lot of time reflecting. This past week, I've spent a lot of time reflecting. I reflect on whether the statistics of disadvantage facing my peoples have improved at all, whether we are any closer to this seemingly elusive word, reconciliation, being the reconciliation between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples in this country, and whether we are building a better Australia for all peoples. This past month, I've reflected on the confronting issues with children being tortured and Aboriginal voices having been ignored for so long as we watched the Four Corners expose into the Dondale Juvenile Detention Centre in the Northern Territory. Um, and if you want to read more about what I had to say, I had a, a call to prayer and a call to action for the Australian Church, and you can see that at Common Grace. Um, this past week, I've reflected on the footage out of Kalgoorlie, where many of my friends are connected uh, to people in that community, where mainstream media showed us scenes of riots instead of the real story, the story of the murder of a 14-year-old boy, Elijah Doherty, who just happened to be Aboriginal, and the story of his cousin, Hayley Garlett, who comes from a strong Aboriginal Christian family, not only standing up for justice, but also standing up for peace. This past year, I've reflected on items affecting me personally, affecting local community, affecting our states, and affecting our nation. On a personal scale, I reflect on the members of the Aboriginal community we have lost from across this nation. From the 10-year-old who committed suicide in Western Australia, which did make the mainstream papers, or where it could have been Mount Isa, or Ipswich, or Sydney, or indeed Melbourne or any Aboriginal community in this land as we reflect on Aboriginal children having the highest rate of suicide in the world. To the loss of our legends, our warriors and our visionaries taken too young, like the passing of the voice of Aboriginal Australia, Uncle Tiger Bales, um, who was from Brisbane but known all across this nation, or the passing of the beautiful and talented David Page, music director of Bangara Dance Company. And many of us, indeed all of us here today, will have had times of reflection. And when we reflect individually, and if you're reflecting right now, whether that be reflecting on what happened before church, what happened yesterday, what happened last week, or what happened in the year that has passed, each of us will reflect and see something different. For some of us, we might have just gone with the flow, riding the waves and not being too phased. For some of us, each day has seemed like a battle or a roller coaster. For a few of us, or maybe many, we dream of a better tomorrow. The passing of time can hold so much, frustration and grief and joy and hope. And our Bible reading today has shown us, you've heard the stories, frustration and grief and joy and hope. Mark 5 verses 21 to 42. In these verses, we have heard two incredible stories one of the bleeding woman and one of the father whose daughter was dying and eventually raised to life. We have seen in their stories frustration and grief, joy and hope. Two very different people. The bleeding woman on the margin of society of who we don't even know her name. The father, a religious leader of whom we do know his name. In both stories at the beginning we hear they are desperate and hopeless. To me, the story of the bleeding woman and the story of the father symbolise something I call impossible dreams. Impossible dreams are the ones that when shared with others, they think you are crazy. They're the ones that people might laugh at you about. They're the ones people might ignore you about. Reconciliation is an impossible dream. 
The word reconciliation often bothers me as it does many Aboriginal people. Sometimes I like the word, other times I hate it. When we as a nation talk about reconciliation, what are we actually on about? Are we actually talking about reconciliation as a nation or in the churches across this nation? How will reconciliation happen? Why does reconciliation seem an impossible dream? Well, for me, it's because as Aboriginal people, we are working so hard to overcome so many barriers. Life expectancy gaps of 11 to 17 years, our children and young people 24 times more likely to be in juvenile detention, our adults five times more likely to be unemployed, 14 times more likely to be homeless, six times more likely to die from diabetes in this country. We are working so hard simply for non-Aboriginal people to know us, to love us and to walk with us, let alone waiting for the day that non-Aboriginal people will learn from us, that non-Aboriginal people will learn from God's miracle whom he placed here over 60,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago, depending on your theology, whom he placed here as custodians of his wondrous creation. The other things that I've reflected on this year is I've reflected on another death in custody that received no media attention and no one held to account, the lack of recognition of the frontier wars, the destruction of sacred sites, the hundreds of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children locked up in prisons across this nation, Australia's shame of onshore detention. I reflect on the racism that Aboriginal people continue to suffer, the numbers of stories we've heard from Uncle Jack Charles, a great actor and elder, a Victorian Senior Australian of the Year who was once again refused a taxi simply for being Aboriginal. Uncle Jack Charles who said, Aboriginal people suffer a peculiar type of racism and if you don't know that, I don't know why you don't know that. The cartoon that appeared in The Australian after the Dondale Four Corners episode that once again demonised our Aboriginal men on the basis of race. A cartoon that has left a deep scar on my mind and on my heart and has reminded me how tired I am, how tired of this country I am. The SOS Black Australia campaign and how we as a nation have still not learnt from our history as my peoples live under constant fear and threat from the leaders of our nation and states talking about removing Aboriginal peoples from their homelands. For me as a Queenslander, the story of Old Marpoon in Western Cape York, where as recently as 1963, Aboriginal peoples and indeed Christians, an entire Christian community, forcibly removed at gunpoint and their community burnt to the ground by the Queensland government in order to steal land for mining. Or in 2016, the threat of placing nuclear waste dumps on their land or coal mines on their land, where governments continue to choose profit and greed over caring for creation. So much sadness, grief and righteous anger, or as Stan Grant said, the Australian dream. And so when we think about reconciliation and we take all of that into account and we think about a peoples who are the world's oldest living culture, we think about reconciliation in this land and if we are to bring about reconciliation in our land, non-Aboriginal people have to come and join us. As Aboriginal peoples, we can't do it on our own. As Aboriginal peoples, we can often be ignored, or even worse, somehow we become invisible. 
Just like the bleeding woman, we as Aboriginal peoples can be seen as one of many afflicted peoples in our country or in our world. In the, our passage in verse 26, it says, She had endured much under many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. To me, this reminds me of our struggle as Aboriginal peoples with the government and sometimes even with the church structures in this nation. Over 200 years of growing worse. Both the bleeding woman and the father had exhausted all worldly and human possibilities. They had impossible dreams and they turned to Jesus. Reverend Joel Edwards, the former international director of Michael Challenge, a very good friend of Tia and a very good friend of mine, said this. This is what Christianity is all about. It's about dreaming impossible dreams and making them come true. You and I believe in a God that can make all things possible. Impossible dreams can be possible. My prayer is that love and compassion compel us to work towards God's vision of reconciliation in our land, God's vision of his kingdom of heaven here on earth today, God's vision of a different Australia. You see, reconciliation for me is about a different Australia. My hope is in a different Australia. It's an Australia I've been dreaming of since I was a little girl of 12 years old who lived in poverty in this land even though my mum worked every single day of her life and when I remember my first experience of racism and there have been many since that time. And what is this different Australia? It's an Australia that is built on truth and justice and love and hope. It's an Australia that I want us to build together. It's an Australia that starts here at this church, Mary Creek Anglican. It spreads across your own families, your church, your community and our nation. The impossible dream where God provided us as his children, as the action to make the impossible dream come true. And that's the key to our impossible dreams. Impossible dreams don't just come about from dreaming. They require action. The bleeding woman took action. She reached out and touched Jesus. The father took action as he took on the crowds and brought Jesus to his daughter. To bring about reconciliation requires action. In your booklets, you've got a, a painting um, towards the back. On the back, yeah. Um, so I just want you to take a, a few seconds to have a look at that painting. Uh, it's by an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leader, Safina Stewart, who sits with me on the Doomba Committee uh, and is um, a very important leader in helping me to bring about the grass tree gathering as well. Um, and she's lived here on Wurundjeri country um, for many years and now lives down in Wonthaggi. Uh, but her traditional country is Wutiti country um, on the Aboriginal side, which is far north Queensland, and on the Torres Strait side, Mabiog Island in the Torres Strait. And uh, this painting is called The Reconciliation Well. And so, you see, the impossible dream of reconciliation can be possible when we work and walk together. And this is why I want to share this painting titled Reconciliation Well. In the centre of the painting, you have the well of reconciliation. People in different forms are gathered around this well. The reconciliation well is understood as the spring of hope from which true repentance, forgiveness, restitution, recognition, restoration, empowerment and relational healing have their source. 
with respect to relationships between Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples, it is also the source of mutual respect and honouring dignity. People also carry the well of reconciliation in their hearts. These leaders are custodians of a vision for a better future, where all Australians enjoy a unity amidst a mutually valued diversity. They extend their hands and their vision to the next generation. The outer rings of people symbolise the positive multiplying effect that the lived out message of reconciliation can have on others when they embrace each other and join together to share the message with all Australians. There is an exponential multiplying effect towards positive, holistic change that is wonderfully possible as this happens. The footprints symbolise the long journey of the past, present and future in working and walking together towards the God-honouring goal of humble understanding, unity and respect that knows no ethnic, gender or age boundary. You see, it's a journey of making an impossible dream possible. And that's your invitation to join us on a journey. A journey where you will decide whether you will take the next step, which is to learn more. And you will make that choice today. A choice of whether you see issues of justice for Aboriginal people as just one of many social justice issues, or you will see it as God sees it and sees that our issues of justice are at the heart of this country. And until we as the Christian church deal with these issues and confront the lies and racism that have existed since colonisation and continue today, and confront these issues with love in our hearts and in our minds and kneeling at the foot of the cross, gathered around the well of reconciliation, together, side by side. It's then we can build the kingdom of God here on earth, here in Australia. And you see, each one of you are part of my hope for this nation. I look into your eyes and I see Jesus. Sadly, when some, and often it feels like many non-Aboriginal people, look into our eyes, the eyes of their Aboriginal brothers and sisters, they see us as some of your ancestors might have, as flora and fauna, as a problem to be fixed, or even worse, somehow we become invisible. They see us as those Northern Territory Corrections officers did, as animals to be tortured and not precious, precious children. I look into your eyes and I see the tears that Jesus weeps for both and all our peoples as he yearns for relationship and healing in this land now called Australia. I look into your eyes searching for love for my peoples, not solutions because we as Aboriginal peoples have those. The governments and the church structures in this nation often just don't want to listen to us. I look into your eyes with hope that you will go and learn about the true history of this country, maybe by watching the series First Australians or First Footprints, or maybe you could set up a prayer education and advocacy group at this church for and about Aboriginal peoples, or maybe you could write to politicians seeking justice for Aboriginal peoples, or write to the heads of churches seeking funding for Aboriginal ministry, or just maybe you might come and join us at our marches and rallies. I look into your eyes searching to see if you will share with me that dream of a different Australia. So another question is, will you accept my invitation? Will you come and join me? Will you come and join me at the foot of the cross? As Aboriginal peoples, we are there waiting for you. 
the cross reminds us that we have an invitation. We can lay our burdens down knowing that Jesus is the great healer. But for healing, we must first recognise that we are broken in ruins, in chaos, that as citizens of the world we are hurting, that as Australians we are hurting, that our lands and seas are hurting that our children are hurting, whether they be asylum seeker children in offshore detention centres or Aboriginal children in onshore detention centres. We must speak truth, seek justice and take action. And for that action to commence, we must open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to love and our minds to relearn. Will you have the courage to pray, to pray to God to help you hear and to seek his healing? Will you kneel with me at the foot of the cross? Will you seek Jesus with me through the throngs of the crowd, through the mocks, the sneers, the laughter? We must hear our individual heartbeat, the heartbeat of our brother, our sister, our neighbour, and the heartbeat of this land. And I want you to hear the heartbeat of this land. At the moment, it is wounded, it is weeping, it is screaming for a better tomorrow. As Aboriginal peoples, we feel it under our feet as we walk this sacred and ancient land, just as over 2,000 generations of our ancestors did. But we also hear and feel a new direction. It's only a soft voice, but it's a rising up of new leaders, an acknowledgement of our leaders, present and past, and a change of heart in some Australians. We hear it in the whisper in the breeze. We hear it in the crash of the wave on the beach, we hear it in the rustling of the gum leaves. We hear it in old Marpoon out of the rising of the ashes. We hear it in Walpuri country where we stand in the hot desert sun. We hear it here in Wurundjeri country from the winds and the mountains. It's the voice of almighty God, great creator spirit, Papa Jesus. This is truth, this is justice, this is love. This is the hope for our country, for our peoples for this land that we now call Australia. And so together as Christians, let's make the impossible dreams possible. I thought we could um, have a time of questions. So why don't you just spend maybe a minute or so just thinking about a question you might want to ask and uh, bonus points to the person who asks the first question because it's always the hardest one to ask. Um, so I'll just give you a minute to do that and then uh, we'll get into that. Jesus went by boat to the other side. What's some of the other otherness that gets in the way of reconciliation? What's that? What's that, that barrier? What's the stuff that stops us doing that? Uh, it's something that I think a lot about and often confuses me. And I think um, what I've encountered is that there's still a lot of fear for non-Aboriginal people about engaging with Aboriginal people. And I think, like, you know, I've talked to um, some ministers in, a in the community of Ipswich where I was working and they said, I said, oh, why don't you go and um, down to the Aboriginal services um, and many Aboriginal people and make connection with your local community? You're a church in this community. Why aren't you making relationship? And they said, oh, well, we haven't done a cultural awareness training or we don't have a certificate. And I said, no, 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 forget about that. It's all about relationship. And so I like to, I prefer to call reconciliation friendship. I think if we rephrase it as making friends with Aboriginal people, we could get a lot further. We could close that gap a lot further. Um, 
And so I think fear is one of the big ones. Um, and, you know, when you go to make relationship with Aboriginal people, and that's why I said the first place for me as Christians is to pray. The next one is to go and learn. Um, so actually learn about the true history, learn about what's happened in the local community, what's happening to Aboriginal people on a national level. Get involved that way first to learn more and then it helps to make the relationship easier. Um, but I guess for me, my prayer and my hope is that as Christians, we go with love in our hearts first instead of those solutions. And I think that's what often happens. Um, is that people go and want to talk about major issues, whereas if we just went and tried to come alongside um, as Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples, um, then that's a good thing. That's a fantastic talk, thank you. Um, have you got any advice on teaching our children about Aboriginal people? Any resources? Or I mean, I'm embarrassed my kids know nothing or what they do know is, is wrong. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so... Uh, you live in a great city where there's lots of resources available. So um, there's an excellent exhibition at the Melbourne Museum, First Peoples, um, and it's got this beautiful representation of Bunjil the Eagle. Um, and uh, in their resource centre is loads of children's books uh, um, about Aboriginal um, things and learning resources and so forth. So when I went there, I like stopped up and <laughs> bought all of these books that um, you know I took home with me and have shared with. Uh, many children in um, different areas of my life. Uh, so that's um, one really good way. There's a new book out at the moment called um, Welcome to Country, done by some Wurundjeri elders. Um, so I can pass those details on to Peter and Joe um, to send out. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the ways to start. And just to, to talk about it. and. You know, it's only now in 2016 that our education system is catching up, um, so our kids are learning, but it's going to take a whole other generation, because I'm often finding around the country that teachers don't know how to teach the curriculum, and so it'll be this generation of children that then become teachers that I think we will start to see real change and people understanding what really happened and um, honouring Aboriginal people. So I think it's, you know, um, just introducing the language and um, in Victoria you're very blessed with um, names of Aboriginal um, places and, and stuff like that as well. Thanks, Brooke. Um, I'm just wondering, going back to uh, names, how do we know where we live, on which land do we live? So uh, which country or family of Aboriginal people we live on? Yeah, so a lot of the local councils often um, have that information because uh, most of them have reconciliation action plans and those sorts of things. Um, if you go to this First Peoples exhibition uh, at the Melbourne Museum, they've got a map of Victoria and all these little rods that stick up and you touch them and it says the name of the um, nation uh, and the people group. And so I was there playing with all of them. I made it like a song. <laughs> because um, I just thought it was so beautiful. So um, that's a, another way, but your local council is usually the best um, place to go. And there's an Aboriginal map of Australia, the Tyndale map. Um, so you can just Google Aboriginal map of Australia. Uh, and it's not perfect, but it gives you a general idea. Um, and there's also, for anyone with an iPhone, there's an app called Welcome to Country. And as you travel into the different countries, it will tell you the name of that place. Um, it's not on an Android, they couldn't raise enough money to put it on an Android phone, but it's on the iPhones and it's pretty helpful. It doesn't have all of the nations, but it's a really good resource. 
Hello. Um, I'm just wondering how, as an Aboriginal leader and a Christian, um, the ancestral, ancestral Aboriginal dream time um, have embraced that with your Christian values. Yeah. So that's a question I often get asked quite a lot, and I have a different... Uh, talk or sermon that's about how my Aboriginality fits with my Christianity and it's been those Aboriginal Christian leaders that have gone before me that have helped me to um, embrace both and that they do they're not mutually exclusive they do go hand in hand with one another and so um, the simple answer is that God works it out for us uh, The um, one of the other ways I had to break it down for me and I spent time in prayer um, to really understand how it all fit together and broke it down into Creator God, um, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Uh, and the Jesus one was the harder one. Um, I'm not sure talking to Anglicans whether you'll agree with me on this from a theological perspective, but anyway, I'll give it a go. Uh, and that's why I love to talk about Bunjil the Eagle, um, because if you read the message version um, of uh, the Bible in Genesis 1, uh, and it was Uncle Graham Mundine who works with the Sydney Catholic Aboriginal Ministry. Uh, he said to us at Grass Street, he said, Genesis 1 is the greatest Aboriginal dreaming story ever told. And so we must remember that when we read the Bible, we were often taught and read it through a Western context. But when we remove that cultural lens and look at it from an Aboriginal context, and that's why so many Aboriginal people became Christians, because our dreaming stories were right there in the Bible. Um, and... Uh, the Christian missionaries just didn't recognise that. They saw our spirits as um, often evil or uh, told us to, to leave that behind without seeing the beauty that our stories were right there in the Bible. They were just different. So our creator spirits are the same God. It's creator God. So down here it's Bunjil the eagle and you read the message version of Genesis 1 and it says that God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss. And so... For me, I like, there's Bunjil, you know, so um, uh, that's one of the ways up in East Arnhem Land and down in Canberra at the Australian Centre for Christianity and Culture is a mural of a white owl from the Aboriginal people in East Arnhem Land, and that was their representation of the Holy Spirit. Um, so in our dreaming stories, there are um, these stories that are the same stories if you look at it from an Aboriginal cultural lens. And then Jesus was the harder one. And um, I heard a friend of mine, Jared McKenna, speak, and he said how Jesus had been spoken about by Aboriginal people before the missionaries came. And I went, oh, hang on, what's this about? Um, and up in um, Yolongu country, in one of the rocks, uh, is a, a huge footprint. And they said that that was Jesus' <laughs> footprint. So um, there were stories of Jesus before the missionaries came. But I guess when you have those barriers of language and um, misunderstandings of culture and the true history of this country, um, many of those stories weren't known. So uh, very much goes together. God works it out for us. And uh, I think we've got a lot to teach the non-Aboriginal church um, now that we're more open to learning this way. Um, so, yeah. Is having access to jobs for everybody a real big deal? Uh, it absolutely is, and I think in the Christian church is one of the places we have to start. Uh, like, it's so hard um, for our ministries to be funded, and, you know, we've got great Aboriginal Christian leaders who have picked up their cross and are carrying it, and we're working in our community, but we're all working as volunteers, and that's really hard. And even in our social... Like, a lot of the churches have huge social arms, 
and their uh, percentage of employing Aboriginal people is so low um, and I often challenge the heads of churches about that, uh, but they're not really doing much to, to change that, which is um, hard work. So, um, yes, we very much need that. So our church supports Doomba. Can you tell us a bit about what Doomba does? Uh, so the way I describe Doomba is as the Aboriginal arm of Tia. They might not like me explaining it that way. Uh, Doomba is very unique. So we, um, myself and Safina Stewart and another young uh, Aboriginal Christian leader from Melbourne, uh, Maylene Slater-Burns, we're the Aboriginal Christian leaders on the Doomba committee. Then we have a number of non-Aboriginal peoples on the committee with us. There's no other Christian organisation that have um, uh, a body like that when we're talking uh, parachurch organisations, so it's very important to us. And TIA's philosophy of uh, working um, with partners, so we have Doomba partners, so one of our um, great partnerships that really inspires me as an Aboriginal person is our head, Arnhem Human Enterprise Development up in Yulongu country in Northern Territory. Uh, and they're doing some amazing community development work. To do proper community development work in Aboriginal community um, takes a lot of resources and it's a holistic uh, community development which no one's really interested in. So the fact that Tier partner with our head, which is the only um, example other than in the Aboriginal community of Raupen, with Uncle uh, Clyde and Auntie Rose Rigney, which is in South Australia, David Unaipon, who's on the $50 note, that was his community, Raupen. Um, that's the other example of really good community development and Aboriginal community that I've seen. Uh, and so, yeah, Doomba is supporting those partners, and um, uh, which is really exciting to be a part of. Just because I have the microphone, could you, um, could you give some examples of, for example, Bureau of Women, or yeah, just a bit more of a taste of other work with Doomba? Yeah. Uh, so Bureau of Women are a partner uh, there up in Brisbane. Um, and uh, working with um, women uh, who've um, had experience of family um, uh, and domestic violence, uh, and so trying to bring healing in that situation using Aboriginal cultural practices, um, uh, which is uh, quite uh, a unique uh, uh, project, I guess. Um, and so that's another one of the projects. We've also supported uh, Scripture Union in Queensland, working with at-risk uh, Aboriginal young people and engaging local elders to come um, and do uh, like a camp program and a reconnection back to country, which is vitally important. Uh, so that's why as Dumba we jumped at the chance to do that because our kids aren't connecting with country and they will always have this yearning for that connection because it's part of their identity. So. Um, uh, I wish we had those programs in all of our juvenile detention centres and um, working with in our schools with many of our young people as well. Um, uh, to, and they're also connecting with the elders, um, which is really important. And not being... A lot of our young people are having trouble with the Western influences, so um, that respect for our elders has always been something we've carried for generations, but this generation we're starting to see it being very fragile as that Western influence continues to take over. Um, this is a conversation we were having last night, but um, I was really interested in our whole congregation hearing about um, some of your ideas about NAIDOC Week and what that could look like as our church might um, do something in that space or that time of the year. Yeah. 
Uh, so NAIDOC, um, whilst we have much sadness and grief uh, in our daily lives, NAIDOC is our um, day and week of celebration and uh, the themes are really important and often I look at them and there's a strong Christian theme to them as well. So this year was about Songlines, the living narrative of our nation, which was really about caring for creation, which we've done and tried to live sustainably for 60,000 years. Um, and then the one last year was uh, we all stand on sacred ground, um, which I thought was another strong message. So one of the things I was talking um, to Joe and Peter about was, you know, you could hold a NADOC church service like um, and just invite the different Aboriginal organisations and keeping in mind that 70% of Aboriginal people are Christian. Uh, so to be invited into that church space is something um, pretty special. Or yourselves going and participating in um, the NAIDOC uh, celebrations. Melbourne has huge ones, so um, you're in a really cool city up in Brisbane. So Brisbane's actually the second largest Aboriginal community in Australia. The largest Aboriginal community is Sydney, which people don't really realise. 60% of the Aboriginal population is in Queensland and New South Wales. But Victoria has and Melbourne have very strong um, celebrations and ceremonies and really cohesive Aboriginal community, which is really cool to, to know those people. Uh, but um, uh, so at our NAIDOC in Brisbane, we get like 50,000 people come along, many non-Aboriginal people, and that's the whole idea about NAIDOC as well. So. Um, you know, it's a really good place to start because um, it's our, our celebration. And, you know, any of you and this church can be a part of that, which would be awesome. Let's put our hands together one more time.